0: because I want to see the property. I want to see what the units look like. It's one thing to say, okay, we need to upgrade this. But if I don't even know what they look like, how, how can I implement that? I need to look at the property, the landscaping. When we take it over, where is it at at that moment? That's also, you know, looking at the leases, talking to the employees. Sometimes we keep the employees that are there. Sometimes we bring in different people. It depends, you know, but I want to have that conversation with them. I never identify myself as one of the owners. I just say that yeah. I've been brought in, you know, to do an assessment on the property. And I really get a feel for the people, the people that work there and the people that live there. Okay, this is where the property is, meeting with the GP team and knowing what the underwriting has and what the plan is to execute, what kind of vacancies that we're expecting. So I get all of that set up so that as we go through, we can make sure we're hitting those benchmarks.
1: Welcome to the Lion's Den, the real estate podcast for perspicacious investors who know they have the strength to succeed in the lucrative commercial multifamily industry. Be an expert advice on your way to becoming a top performer. I'm your host, Adam Parish. I have two of my co-hosts here at the moment, Via Mosley and Lisa L. Parrish. How are you guys roaring today?
2: Great. How are you?
1: And I'm going to call it the conundrum of the day from here, henceforth, instead of the obstacle. The conundrum of today's episode is managing the manager. How do I asset manage my multifamily properties? And our special guest with us today currently works as an asset manager on multiple multifamily properties throughout various markets and co-owns H2 Funding LLC with her husband, Lynn Harding. She has over 25 years of expertise in profit and loss analysis, asset retention, management, as well as helping guide clients to improve business practices, performance, and management. We are pleased to welcome on the podcast, Cindy Harding.
0: Thank you so much for having me here. I'm excited to chat with you today.
1: You have a word of the day, Cindy.
0: That's such an interesting question. I I don't have a word of the day. What I do have, though, is my friend for uh, 30 years, we play Rummy every time we're together, and she made me this little, it's a deck of cards, and every day I flip to whatever it is. So today, it's you never give up. So that every day, I have a new, I don't have a word of the day, but I have a quote of the day, and it's from my best friend.
1: A quote will suffice.
3: That's an important one in multifamily, for sure.
4: That's a a really neat deck of cards. I like that. It is. It It just represents our friendship. Makes me think
0: of her every day. All
1: right. So the first question I'm going to ask for you, Cindy, is what is asset management? What even is it? Why is it so important for success in our business?
0: I am very happy to talk about asset management. I think it's something that... A lot of people don't really understand or even know what it is. And it is a very significant component of multifamily and the whole investment process. So asset management is really where you work with the GP. So those are the people that have purchased it. And sometimes you're on the uh, GP or you work for them and the property management company. Basically you're the liaison between the two. So the GP, they have a vision for this property. They've uh, underwritten it, they know what their value add, they know what they wanna do. And the now what they need to do is get that information to the property manager and to make sure that it's getting executed. I like to be involved in the very beginning. So I like to look at the underwriting to see what they have put together for the package on a property to see if I believe it will work. Because if I believe it will work and I become the asset manager for that property, it's my responsibility to make sure that the property makes money. That's the bottom line. We buy these investments so that we can make money, we can make a better place for the residents to live and we can pay our investors. So the asset manager is kind of in between the property management and the GP. Also, very significant to know that they're left behind. so when you buy a property, you have your acquisitions, you have your investor relations, and once that property closes, they move to the next deal. They're looking for the next you know the next property to purchase. You have to have someone that is going to stay with that property for the length of the time that you own it, whether it's three, five, ten, seven years, most of the ones I have ever five years. So I stay with that property physically and mentally where I watch the numbers every week. I work on uh, with the property management and then I report to the GP what's happening on the property. And you have to have that connection and you really need that information. Asset managing, I had it described to me as you are a firefighter, a doctor, a detective, and a project manager. And that's really what you are because you put out fires between, you know, anything that's going on at the property or anything that's happening internally. You're a doctor. You're supposed to fix things. There's something wrong at the property. How are we going to fix it? You're a detective. That's my super string is I can look at the financials. I can look at the information and ask lots and lots of questions and get the answers. And then project manager. You have to make sure the units get turned, they get upgraded, any capex gets done. It's actually a really big job that I—I I don't think a lot of people understand what all is involved with it. <clears throat> Excuse me, especially when they say, "Yeah, I'll be the asset manager."
3: Right, I agree. I agree with you. I don't think so either. But that's kind of multifamily in general. You start, and it seems like. <laughs> Not that big of a thing, you know, and then the more you get in, I found the more you learn that you don't know. And the more work that it is doing a syndication is a really heavy load, actually. And yeah, I can't imagine uh, managing all those doors and keeping the business plan in line and everything like that. It's got to be a lot of work. It hey, is.
2: Have to
4: be very organized. I don't, I don't think we can hear it. Donato, can you,
2: can you hear us? Yep, I can hear you loud and clear. How are we doing? Nice Perfect. to
4: meet
0: you,
2: Donato. Nice to meet you as well. I apologize. I work for the DOD by day, and that means that if the government needs me on a project, it's uh, my time's theirs the day that happens.
1: It's the struggle of superheroes. <laughs>
3: <That's> right?
4: <laughs> right.
0: Well, I was just going to say, I'm an asset manager, and if someone needs me, my time is theirs. It's, <laughs> I get it. I completely understand.
3: Perfect.
2: Thank you so much.
1: I like the scenic view, though.
2: Uh, it's nice, right? On on a government facility right now. We got our museum back here and our windowless gargantuan building back there. It's a good time. So everyone, we get some nice flowers though, which is always fun. Nice.
1: All right. So follow up with Cindy on another question. What are some con mistakes you see bad asset managers make?
0: Um, well, actually not knowing what you're doing is probably the worst. Um I ask a lot of questions and I encourage anyone that's doing asset management. If there's something you're not real clear on, either from the property management or from the GP or from the lender, ask those questions. You you need to understand, you know, people think if I'm the asset manager, I don't really, you know, I, I don't really answer to anyone. I'm, I'm responsible. And that is true. You are responsible, but you do answer to the property management You work with them on the budget to make sure that you stay within budget. You work with the GP to make sure that you're executing the plan that they put forth to their investors of how they're going to increase this property. And then the other boss that no one really talks about is the lender. When you have a loan, the lender is going to tell you a certain number of things that you need to have done. And you have a timeline, three months, six months, a year, depending on, you know, Uh, If it's life and safety, I don't remember what it's called, life and safety something, you know, you have three months. That's like a a crack in a concrete sidewalk that has to be fixed. That could be a huge liability. So you have to make sure that all of those things get done and you have to answer to the lender. So I think common mistakes are people don't really set themselves up for success with this. So every property, I have a CapEx tracker where I have listed what we're going to do on that property, what is the priority of it, what's the timeline. I require three bids. I take those bids before the GP. I give them my recommendation. They decide what they wanna do. I take that to the property management and then I hold their feet to the fire because now they get to do whatever that CapEx is, stay within the budget and within the timeline. So I have trackers that let me know where I'm at at all times with my CapEx not only in what we're doing, but where are we in the budget? Because we don't want to overspend our capex. We have this property for five years. We have to make sure we have the funds that we need. So I think sometimes people don't set themselves up with the information and give themselves their own schedule to make sure like we're on time with what we need. And then, you know, you have the property management, you're working with them. I talk with them every week, unless it's a property that is... Running really well, uh, then I just get my weekly reports, and I maybe will meet with them every other week, but honestly, I only have one property that I do that on. All the rest I meet every week because I have to watch the vacancies, I have to watch the delinquencies. you know I want to hear what's the marketing, how is it going? you know do we need to do additional things part you know part of asset management is gathering information and getting it compiled into one place so that you have all of that together. I have an asset manager report that I can send to the GP at any time. So they'll know where we are at the properties. So I just think people, the mistakes is not getting their systems in place. And honestly, you don't want to wait. Then you're behind the eight ball. Like I said, I like to be involved in the beginning. That helps me to know where we are in the process. When we're acquiring a property. I watch the rent roll and the T-12 very closely because I want to make sure that they're keeping residents in. And then I watch the T-12 to see what's going on with the expenses. And if there's a variance, it doesn't mean that it's bad. Sometimes people think, oh my gosh, they spent more money or, you know, it's something dropped really low. Just because there are variants, it isn't bad. What a variance is, is a question. What happened? What did we need to do? we had repairs and maintenance, you know, it went up. It was 3,000 more than what, what it normally is. Why? Well, we had to take down a tree. It was very close to the building, you know, whatever the reasons are, as long as you know that, then you can work through that and you just add that, you know, with your budget and you know, you're going to have to account for that later. But I just think people don't put up their systems that they need to be successful.
1: How do you usually set up goals for your property management company? Like how many units they lease or do you do it differently? Like yeah, of price?
0: The goals I start with, with the budget. So we know we want to, you know, maintain this. Yeah, you're going to have a certain amount of vacancy. If you're 100% occupied, you're too cheap. So we know that we're going to have some vacancy. We also know that we're going to want to upgrade some units. So I do work between the GP and the property management. Um, but we just work together on that for the goals. And if we're not hitting them, I first like to talk with the property management to find out why we're not hitting the goals. It could be we don't have enough budgeted for marketing, or maybe we've lost you know, our maintenance guy. There's, there's reasons why, and I want to understand that before I jump to any conclusions. So when I, when I look at the paper, it just gives me questions to ask because I want to understand.
1: Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Lisa a question that's going to get her in trouble, maybe. This is a subject I hear brought up a lot. What are your thoughts on investors getting a GP percentage just for the role of asset management?
4: Um, I think asset managers are very valuable, um, but I don't think that an asset manager should get a piece of the GP just for being asset managers um, or just for being an asset, you know, in asset management. Um, When when we're doing asset management, we're pretty much retired from that now, but we we were also broker relations, bringing in the deals to the partners. We facilitated acquisitions, getting, you know, from start to finish, um, contract negotiations, the LOI inspections, due diligence, the whole process really never did we expect GP percentage just for being asset managers. So I just, the reason I, you know, that, that it's something to talk about is that I hear a lot of students, I don't know if you've heard this Cindy, but I've heard a lot of students say, you know, well, I've decided to be an asset manager. That's my role. Um, and I want students to understand that you that you get paid a fee for asset management after closing. And honestly, an asset manager doesn't even need to be a partner at all, um, you know, like Cindy herself. So if you don't, if you can hire an asset manager, then that doesn't automatically give you the right to, to GP. So if asset management is the role that you want to take on, you have to understand there's going to be a lot more to it than just being the asset manager. And I don't mean just as far as like, that's not a big job because that's a very big job, but there's a lot more to it. As far as you know, being part of the acquisitions, I suggest that unless you have a very experienced GP team, though, that it is going to be one of your GPs that is your that is asset managing because you don't want to hire someone that doesn't care. And I, I don't think you'd have that with Cindy, but there's a lot of people that you can hire, and they're an employee, and you know employees don't care as much about the property than a, than an owner does. So that was why we always, you know, throughout our, our my career, we were always the, the asset managers because we always believed an owner. you know, it's necessary. But again, if you're an an experienced GP team and you know what you're looking for and you know what's going on, hiring an asset manager is fine. But of course, uh, uh, you know, there needs to be an experienced general partner that is overseeing that asset manager, working with that asset manager, like, like Cindy talked about. You just don't want to hire someone that doesn't care as much as you do. If you do hire an asset manager, you know, like I said, just make sure that somebody experiences overseeing them. But the bottom line, I just want to make it clear that My opinion is if you decide that asset management's your lane, that's great. But understand, you know, you should be involved in the acquisitions and due diligence process from the beginning. Even your asset manager, if you hire one, needs to be involved. Like Cindy said, she can't just jump in on day one and go, okay, now tell me everything going on. You really, you'd be behind by then. Um, I I think that, you know, if you're an asset manager, you need to be physically at the inspections. You need to see what the value add opportunities are. You should be a part of developing the CapEx plan. And you're, and this, you know, especially if you are one of the general partners and you should be working with the management company prior to closing to make sure that you're all on the same page with your plan. You know, you don't want to come in after, after closing. Like Cindy was talking about, you want to be involved because you might want to tweak something that doesn't make sense ahead of time. And the sooner that you can do that, the the easier your job's going to be. And you're going to be the one that does most or all the communication with the management company after closing. So you know, as an asset manager, you need to know the property and the business plan better than any of the GPs do, honestly, because after closing, you're the one, like Cindy said, that, that everyone's going to count on to facilitate that business plan. It's going to come down to you. So hey, I don't I, know if you. If I you like being part out, but... of the
0: GP. I like being part yeah. of the GP. I can if I can work it where I have my own funds invested, and yeah. I'm, par- I'm part of that GP, and I'm able to you know, then I feel like I have skin in the game and I'm able to really execute and believe in what's happening. So that's why I do like to be in the beginning in, yeah. as part of the acquisition. So what they say, this is what we want to do. Is it feasible? Because sometimes people right. want ideas that just, they're not feasible.
3: So Yeah, and then you're the
4: one that's stuck trying to do something that actually doesn't make sense and that's exactly. not fair to you. So before you sign on, whether you're a GP or whether you're just, you know, whether you're being hired, when you sign on, you need to know what it is that you're being expected to do and make sure that it actually makes sense, something that you actually think that you can implement. Yes.
0: I've actually turned down bills. I looking at it, it's like, I, I just, I don't, I don't want that responsibility to make that happen. Right. I don't see how that will work and I'm not going to do that. So
4: good.
3: That's makes a sense. good thing. Yeah, I think it's a tough spot for people coming into multifamily new people you're learning the syndication process you're not really learning operations but to come in with no asset and say you want to be an asset manager and trying to start there without underwriting or sourcing deals or you know if you're learning the syndication process you're learning how to basically get under contract and that's about it you know so right. to come in and want to be an operator with no experience is a little bit a tough place to start another reason being is some of the companies that are sponsoring deals they have asset managers on salary so like then what are you gonna do just sit around and wait for a deal to close do nothing else and and the sponsors don't need you like that's just kind of a tough spot I think you gotta pick something practical when you're just learning syndication to get into and start and then you know, then your team or you and other people own a property and then you can learn like, say from like me, I would learn from Lisa or someone would learn from Cindy, but just to come in to learning the syndication process and wanting to just asset manage, I think is a a tough spot to put yourself in.
0: Yeah. And if you don't, I really think you need a background in accounting um, Mm -hmm. or have done something similar, like. There are people that have had, oh, they did like single family homes. So they did that. I mean, that's not accounting, but at the same time it is, you know, working the process. But if you have someone, you know, that's just joined and they're part of, you know, want to do a syndication and they've never done anything with numbers for them to say, well, I guess, I guess I'll do asset management because they think that just means they're going to talk to the property management company. And just ask what, what are the vacancies and how, how much is the delinquency? And that is honestly this much of the job. Right. I mean, besides, besides just,
4: besides accounting, which I think is very important, but if you have some sort of management experience and it doesn't even, I mean, it would be better if it is property management, but I've, I've seen some successful asset managers that started out in project management or other kind of just some sort, you know, where they're managing a team because you're managing people. And I, to me, my, my opinion is the hardest part is the babysitting of the people. Um, even though they're not your employees, it's still a lot of people that you, you know, trying to get people to do what they need to do. Um, we had a management company. That's, that's worse when you have a management company, because those, the staff actually works for you and you really are babysitting. Um, at least with, you know, asset management, you have a property management company. So your original managers, are going to be you know babysitting the staff, but still, it's the people management's the hardest so you, part.
0: So you were vertical, like you had the properties, and then you were the property management company. Yeah,
4: for oh, for wow. the first wow. like wow. seven seven years or eight years or something like that. And we we only had a couple hundred units, but still, it was a lot. It, it's a lot, lot when it's. Yeah. So then transitioning from that to asset management is definitely a bit of a relief because at least you have, you can go to a regional manager if you've got an issue with a property manager and say, Hey, you need to deal with this. That's a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. We did
0: have that. We had a horrible regional and he, I mean, he just didn't show up to the meetings and we -hmm. got a hold of the owner. And I'm just like, I don't have a regional by Monday. You're going to lose the account because this guy is not Showing up and I gave specific instances yeah, on things that had happened. I had a new regional on Monday and she was amazing. So I can't imagine yeah. to it in house. Oh, kudos oh to I
4: think and I th- and I think the regional manager really is the key. Mm-hmm. I mean, no property management company is perfect for sure. But I, I've I've experienced good property management companies that don't do well because the regional is not great, and then vice versa. Not the greatest, but if you've got a great regional manager, they can pick up the slack. So the regional manager is very, very important. And, and one thing I've learned the hard way also is that if that regional manager is not doing their job, you need to, like Cindy said, you need to request somebody new pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I've waited too long in the past. So yeah, people think the site is,
0: is like the key, which I mean, they are the face of the complex. Like when people come in, that's who they greet. That's who science yeah. the is, you know, they do the chores. But truly for the asset management part of it, the actual execution of if we're going to make money and what caps are we doing, you need an excellent regional. The regional will make it or break it. It's not the onsite.
4: It's true. and And also if you're doing portfolios, like we do a lot of portfolios in a certain area, you might have the same regional manager for several, like we have one for five properties. So that the, what's nice about that is if you've got a good regional manager, you can go to that regional manager and discuss all five properties or all, multiple properties at one time. It saves a lot of time and it's easier to streamline. So, I do. I have you know.
0: that. I have that. And it's so nice. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. And what's going on at one property, like whatever we're implementing, we can say, let's do it the same. Yes, exactly. Once you figure out it a
4: hundred times. Oh, exactly. And once you figure out a new system or something's not working, so you decide, well, this let's try this. And exactly do the same thing. Let's implement it across the board. It's great.
3: What I noticed from doing our first deal was the execution of the business plan is what's going to make your investors money. I think when we come in to learn about syndication, you're thinking like it's all on this underwriting template. That's the thing that's either going to make your investors money or not. But it's actually how fast and efficient and, and well your property management, which then goes to your asset manager, are executing the business plan. And that like really clicked with me because when we closed on our first deal, I got this email. I was really surprised. Like we got an email, we closed and then we got an email that the property management was on the grounds. Starting to work, you know that we needed to. You need to get bad tenants out, fix things, get new tenants in, and it was like literally a couple minutes after we closed, and that's when it clicked to me. It's not this template with these numbers; it's what the property management and asset managers are doing afterwards, and how quickly.
0: Yeah, and I agree, I agree Lisa. I like to go to the property before we buy it. I literally like to look at the lease. Like I look at the leases. There was one property where the residents had signed addendums for pet, pet rent. Guess what? The property management company wasn't charging pet rent. The resident had already agreed to that and they just weren't implementing it. So I like looking, physically looking at the leases. What are they charging? Are they charging rubs? Are they charging pet rent? Are they doing all the things that will allow them to get that other income? And then I like to walk the property because then I have a better idea of what the lender's gonna come back and say we need to do. And I'm not shocked when it comes. We usually have a GC that walks with us as well. So we have a good idea of what we need to do and where to start on our CapEx. So to me, it's very important to go to the property, talk with the property management team face-to-face, sit down with them this is the this is the plan this is the paper plan and how can yeah. we make it a reality
4: especially if you're working with a like if you have a bridge lender um i think one of the most challenging is when you've got a bridge lender and they're holding back the capex money and you're putting together this is one of the challenges that we've had in our last deal and i've had on a couple deals where you're putting you have to put together they want to know specifically how much what you're doing how much you're spending on each, on each item. And if you don't have it right, it's, it's really hard to change it. Yeah. So that's one thing that the asset manager really needs to help with in, in facilitating that making sure that the management company or whoever's handling your rehab knows exactly what needs to be done and when um, to satisfy the lender. And every lender is different too, which is another thing, to think. you know, and then what you're doing is a lot of times you have to spend money to get in and get reimbursed later. Um, so you have to have somebody that is going to work with the lender, go through the many hoops that they make you jump through just to get your money back. Pictures,
0: invoices, cancel checks, all
4: yeah, of that to
3: be contracts. What you were saying about touring, you know, what's interesting, just kind of going back to the basics and people learning syndication is I know for our team, we don't submit offers anymore unless we backing already from someone that's qualified to sign on the loan and help with the operations and everything like that. So we don't just go throw offers out. But um, with people going, like say you live in an area like Texas, right? And you don't have those relationships with the experienced operators to sign on the loan and execute the business plan. And then you're going to tour it and you really know nothing about multifamily properties. So you're just kind of looking at it and then people go and submit offers. And I think kind of going back to what you're saying, you really need someone before, in my opinion, before you go submitting an offer, especially for your broker relationships to, you know, have like Greg, you know, Lisa's husband will go before we submit offers because he has experience. Like, it would what good would it do if I would have just went and walked, you know, I live in an apartment complex. I can't tell what's wrong from the outside, you know. <laughs> Oh, I think that's just a little added thing that maybe people should be a little bit more cautious about, but that's just my opinion.
0: No, it's it's true. We've gone to properties. I, like you, I don't go. I, I'm like, does it look pretty?
4: <laughs> you
0: know, is it a good color scheme? My, husband, right. my husband's in construction. And so he's gone to several properties, look, we've done an LOI. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. The foundation, this, that, the roof. Right, that. he sees all that. And yes, it did cost us an airline ticket at a hotel stay, but it was worth it because
4: well, it saves money in the long run. But I, I mean, I think asset management really is two parts: where you have, you know, your boots on the ground, where you're dealing with the money and the stuff that you're talking about. But the second part of it is the the rehab or the capex. And depending on how big of a lift it is, if it's a bigger lift, like we've taken on some properties that full repositionings. I don't recommend it, but it's, it, it's a lot. Um, we had to hire actually a full-time project manager for those. So sometimes you need to hire someone outside to come and manage those projects because it's way too much for an asset manager to do. But if it's, you know, just your basic stuff, your management company can do a lot of it and then you can be managing your management company and you're still looking at the quotes and everything else. But, you know, I think it's, it's those two parts. Yeah. That's my tracker with my CapEx.
0: Uh, I got got an email today listing all the different things that had been completed and where we are. And you have to keep track of it. Otherwise, you get behind the eight ball. So hard to catch up.
1: Yeah, so I think we can all agree that asset management is crucial. You know, what's also crucial is property market due diligence. You're not stuck asset managing an unprofitable property where you're unable to fully execute your business plan due to factors such as low market rent, low population and job growth and high crime. That would be terrible if that was the case. Go what we, what do we
4: do about that? I, I mean, what can we do? Yeah,
1: how,
0: how, do we, how do we combat that?
1: A reliable market research tool is imperative for vetting potential deals so you can be well-informed and confident in the area you're acquiring your property. And that's where Bright Investor comes in. The ultimate market research tool, allowing you to stay ahead of the game in this fiercely competitive market. Right Investor visualized data trusted by thousands of investors who want to know what's happening in real estate market around the U.S. Proven data from trusted sources such as Atom Data, Rental Meter, Crimometer, Mass Visor, U.S. Census Bureau, and more, all in one place, so that you can save time and money. Don't be a dim investor left in the dark, struggling to navigate the tumultuous landscape of multifamily real estate. With the proper apparatus of market due diligence. If you'd like to become a bright market savvy investor you're destined to be today, you can try it out by going to brightinvestor.com and use code A&E at checkout for 10% off. Once again, that is brightinvestor.com and use the only discount code that exists, A&E at <laughs> right. checkout okay. for 10% off.
3: We have a competition going. Yeah. I'm actually
2: happy to report on that. He, uh was the first converted affiliate this last week. Yeah, Pete, we already had if some you builders won? who have started converting. But um, Fia was the first one, first converted person.
3: Very sweet. I got to go do fun. some more videos just so I beat everybody. No, just kidding. That's awesome. Great. How did that presentation go last night?
2: When went great. You know, talking to spread the word about Right Investor and helping people understand that, you know, if you buy in a market or buy a property and you have it to do due diligence, you're not investing, you're gambling. And just like asset management, when you're looking at, you know, you're spending that hotel a plane ticket to get down there and see this is what I can reasonably expect from this asset. I've done my due diligence. I know that if I make this transaction, here's what I'm going to need to do. That level of due diligence is necessary all the way from asset management to market research. So all those things can align to make a profitable investment. Because you're not just advocating for your own money at that point, advocating for yourself lenders, your investors, and a lot, all the people that rely upon your success in this business. And with the company, billions of dollars thrown throughout commercial real estate every year and doing your due diligence across the entire aspect of your business is a win for everyone.
3: So is it gambling to not have an experienced asset manager? I think absolutely. What you said, that kind of reminded me of that because if you're finding deals like you know, that's what I do. It does. What What are you going to lose if you sound like an idiot to a broker? You're not going to lose investors money, you know, or anything like that. So anybody can go out and kind of learn those basic skills of trying to find properties, you know, underwriting. You may or may not get good at that, but it's not going to cost your investors hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I think that is really crucial, really crucial and role. With for what Sydney money.
2: mentioned earlier. About property where they'd already agreed to pay for pet rent, but they were implementing it. Only the experienced asset manager will be able to find those soft value ads. Where if there's a property we can buy, you know, update the property, renovate it, and do our value add component. That's what I call the paper pushing or the soft value ads so that don't require swinging the hammer, doing a position. In that particular case, I need to buy the property based off the NOI that doesn't account for all the pet rent the residents have already agreed to. And I can go in there, say, okay, guys, oh, this wasn't being enforced. Now it's enforced. And all of a sudden, i have boosted my NOI, the overall value by doing a paper push or soft value add that so only an experienced asset manager is going to be able to identify. And when you have that experience as an asset manager, you know how to find those properties and know that I have two properties. One's going to require tens of people doing tens of unit renovations. It's going to be a lot of work. And this one has a lot of soft value adds via No, utility reimbursements, doing things like additional fees people already agreed to. And I can get similar, if not better, returns, much easier process because you know what it takes to just actually implement what needs to be done.
0: Yeah. It's so true. We got no pushback because the residents knew they were supposed to be paying rent.
3: So nobody's gonna go volunteer like, oh, you guys aren't charging me. You know, oh my gosh. That's funny. So it's it's really at the point where like, just like anything else. And I think a lot of property managers are so overworked. They just work all the time. But when does it hit a point for an asset manager where you have so many units that you drop the ball? Like, where is that, you know, (laughs) point? Cause it's got it. I mean, only we're humans. You only take on so much before your health goes to crap. And then you're not, you know, paying attention as well as you should be or whatnot. So is there like a unit count or is that different for everybody? You know, what what is your guys' thoughts? You're both have been experienced um, asset managers. I think it's different for each person.
4: And it also will depend on how, you know, what kind of deals you have. You know, are they really rough? How much work actually goes into it?
3: Because okay. like you said, I mean,
4: I have one deal right now also that I don't really... We do a call once a month. I look at the stuff um, every week and I'll throw out some ideas, but we're usually 99 to 100 percent occupied. And I know that that means we're too cheap, but we're not because we actually are above the market and, uh, you know, and we have no delinquency. I mean, so when you have things going that well, you're trying to find ways of, you know, pushing things up and r- l- lowering expenses. But that's easy. if I had all properties like that, I could take on 20 you know a couple thousand units but they're not usually like that so you have the harder ones that you're going to be putting a lot more time into but i we were managing over a thousand units um at, at a time at one time 10 properties and we were losing our minds it gets to be a lot um and you know fia knows some of the medical problems that i've had from too much stress and so i would suggest that you get to a certain point and again there is no actual number for it i don't think but You get to a point where if you start to feel overwhelmed, rather than not taking on more, you can bring in somebody to help you. Bring in an assistant that can take on a lot of the mundane, you know, just admin tasks that you're doing. Things that don't need an expertise. You just teach them, right? Become skilled at delegating. Yeah, and that's something that I've recently learned. I was never good at it before, but I'm starting to (laughs) to, to learn. I'm learning and, you know, working with a multifamily and a new property we're taking on. Um, you know, I've told them, like, I don't, I don't really want to do the asset management. I want you guys to do it, but I want to show you what to do and be there for, you know, I'll come in when there's problems, but a lot of it is just paying attention. And how can you pay attention to, I mean, at a certain point, there's only so much that you can do.
0: Yeah, I, to- I think it depends too on your support system. So I have an assistant that does a lot of the mundane stuff. That I don't have to worry with Yeah. Okay. The other thing is a couple of the properties. We have assembled an asset management team. And so basically those are investors that are students or not, maybe they're not new students, but they've not had a deal. They don't really know what, what all to do. And so, um, I came up with like eight different responsibilities that are not, uh, that don't require like my full attention and so uh, we meet once a week they attend the property management meetings they their cameras are off and their microphones are off they're just kind of you know silently on the walls although they can chat me privately you know if there's a question or something so they go to those meetings and then after that like the next day we have a team meeting and we talk about what's going on with the asset we you know strategize it helps me when I go to the GP, too, because it's not just the property management and my thoughts. I have talked to five other people and have five different levels of experience uh, in their life and, and within multifamily. So it, I feel like that allows me to be able to take on more because I have the team. Um, you know, one person might be responsible for writing the monthly newsletter or I mean, we just have different responsibilities. and you know, we talk about this is millions of dollars and, you know, they want to understand the whole process. It also creates a really safe space for those students to ask questions because Mm -hmm. when you go through the training, there's so much that you're learning and then you start implementing what you've learned, but there's then you have questions about what you didn't know that you didn't know. And so I remember one of the first calls We had closed out a property, but we were still raising. And this person was an investor. And so that was a very safe place for them to say, so confused. How did we buy a property and yet we're still raising? And so it was a way to explain how syndication works and, you know, what we're still doing. So because I have two, I actually have two teams that I'm working with right now, and then I have my assistant. So I feel like that really gives me the bandwidth that I need to to do properly. And also to put my attention where it really needs to be. My attention doesn't need to be writing a newsletter about the property. As, you know, someone else that's attending the meetings
3: can hear what we're doing, that so they can write the letter. That's a good point. Yeah, for sure. And I think sometimes, you know, we get into this uh, learning syndication and, you know, there's a, like we said earlier, there's a lot more to it than we would, than we thought. There's a lot more work, a lot more time that goes into it. But with that, I think, you know, we all come in with this idea of, oh, I'm going to have 2,000 properties in two years or something, right? (laughs) Because you just don't really understand all the work or what exactly asset management has involved. And I think one thing for our team that we kind of took a step back after doing our first deal, we were like, wow, this is so much more than we thought. And so on the first deal, you know, they're one of the the companies already did have an asset manager and then Lisa is involved and she really does a lot of that stuff. So our team learned, you know, this much on the first deal. Now we're on the second deal with her and different people. And we're going to be learning more about asset management. And I came to kind of appreciate the fact, like we were able to start with the syndication, so to speak on the first, you know, we found the deal, did the underwriting, Donato and Manny do a lot of great work as far as markets and just, you know, we've got a very synergistic team, but we weren't really involved or at least all of us weren't after closing and just being okay with learning more every time. And that's how you earn more responsibility, you know, so not expecting to come in and just be like, oh, these people should let me into everything because they probably don't even know you very well. I'm sure Lisa you know, had to take the time to get to know us, to trust us as well. Yes.
4: I think it's great, Cindy, what you're doing now with the students. And as long as the students, you know, sometimes they could be a pain in the butt, but as as long as they are, you know, being respectful of your time and helping you, being very valuable, it's really a win-win because they're to learn from somebody that has been doing it for a while, that's an expert like you are, to be able to learn that um, before they even have their own property or, you know, maybe they do have some of their own properties, but to learn it from you is invaluable. I mean, that was one of the things when we got started, we went to a managing the manager seminar. We we had been managing our own properties. So we did learn a lot of stuff from that, but as far as that we went to an asset, you know, a managing your ma- the manager, which you probably went to right with Dave Lindell. And that was about it though. There wasn't, you know, asset managers that could hold your hand and let you in on calls and be able to see like you know behind the scenes what's actually going on I think that's amazing yes I I love it
0: and I do I do feel like they are getting a very very good education like a real hands-on we're not sitting you know it's not just someone at the front of the class teaching something it's like okay this is what we just learned in this property management meeting yesterday what are your thoughts you know and like I said, it's five five to six. One team is five, one team is six. You know, so I'm getting all their different perspectives. And some actually have properties they've asked that manager before. Some they just finished the boot camp, you know. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's very worthwhile for them. And it's very worthwhile for me. Um, like I said, I don't need to write the newsletter about what's going on at the property.
4: They attend the meetings, they know right. what's I mean, you well, know. you probably learn from them too. I mean, smart yes. people in all different avenues. I, I I can't tell you how many times, like I learned from a multi family and other students that I've worked with. They had different experiences that I don't have, and different perspectives. And so, so many times, it's like, oh, wait a second, that's actually a better way to do it than I've been doing it. So, yeah. I I love getting other people's opinions and being able
3: to you know, collaborate together.
0: Yeah, it's it's been very good. I I have enjoyed it, and I think that they have too. I'm sure
3: that is pretty awesome you don't really know until you're actually doing something you know you can read and listen to videos or youtube or whatever you know but like I said our eyes were definitely open on the first property we did and it's funny there's a couple of newer ladies to multifamily that we pulled into our team like right in the hardest part of our deal we're working on right now and I can't even imagine how that feels there's so many more people involved than than you think when you're learning about multifamily so many more I mean there's usually around 20 people you know between raising money and all these other things and it gets very chaotic so you know unless you're kind of thrown in there whether it's like them with us just going through this money raise and all this and that or asset management you really don't know that much until you get into a deal, no matter how much you study. Yep. It's the real life. It's it's the real life thing.
0: So, yeah. but I still, I love asset management. Like that's my passion. So it's fun to me.
1: Can you give us like a, a good vision on what the takeover process typically looks like for a value-add deal? The first within a year, usually.
0: Sure. I love uh being part of the acquisition, so I go to the property it's something that I won't say I insist, but I really insist that I go because I want to see the property. I want to see what the units look like. It's one thing to say, okay, we need to upgrade this, but if I don't even know what they look like how how can I implement that? I need to look at the property, the landscaping, you know see just kind of see in general where we are. When we buy the property, when we take it over, where is it at at that moment? That's also, you know, looking at the leases, talking to the employees. Sometimes we keep the employees that are there. Sometimes we bring in different people. It depends, you know, but I want to have that conversation with them. I never identify myself uh, because I try. I like to be on the GP. So I never identify myself as one of the owners. I just say that I've... I've been brought in, you know, to, um, Do an assessment on the property, and I really get a feel for the people, the people that work there, and the people that live there. So that's the very first is just kind of getting that baseline of okay, this is where the property is. Uh, Meeting with the GP team and knowing what the underwriting has and what the plan is to execute. Uh, I create my schedule, the gone trackers, my schedule of you know how many units that we need to turn in a month you know, what kind of vacancies that we're expecting. So I get all of that set up so that as we go through, we can make sure we're hitting those benchmarks. We have a property that we just took over in December and we allowed for a really high vacancy in our first year because they were $300 under market. And we knew that. We knew the property, we knew the area, uh, but we also knew that meant people had to move out. And they had to move out and we needed, you know, at least 10 days to get to completely rehab those units. And that's having, you know, a crew where they're flooring, painting, lighting, everything. Um, so we had to account for that vacancy because we knew we were going to have them. So that that's all part of setting up that first year. What are we looking at? How, how much are we going to push for that first year to get our ribs where we want to be? And then what are we going to do for year two and year three? You know, it takes a while when you, you know, move in, you've got people that are, have leases that expire the next day and some that signed the day before. So you have a whole year that you've got to deal with, you know, where people are either going to renew or they're going to leave. And what are we going to do with that? And how, how have we accounted for it? So we do a lot of um, uh, and that analyzing the lease uh, the lease rents, not the lease rents, we analyze the lease expiration. So we have, have a tracker. Right. I know I have X amount in this month, X amount in this month. And then we pretty much know the percentage that's going to renew and how many are going to leave because we can look at the history of that and just see, although as we're doing our CapEx, we notice people are renewing because it's was a tired property and now we've done new pay. You know, they see a lot of things happening at the property. So people are renewing. So that, that number has actually changed. So did that answer your question? That's awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so it's a lot of following the numbers.
1: Yeah, definitely. And vacancy. People are going to have to get used to new students. Is that The vacancy you're probably going to have in the first year.
4: And always analyzing what your exposure is. Yes. And how, how, you're going to, how you're going to adjust based on your exposure. How much are you going to push your rents? Because you don't want to push your rents too, too aggressively if you have a high exposure. Yep. And vice versa. And that's where when you're looking at the expiration of your leases,
0: that helps you monitor that. You know, how many yeah. are going to expire this month and what are we going to
4: do? Yep. Donato, do you have anything to add? You haven't gotten to speak much in the last three podcasts.
2: Good luck busy been a watchful audience member um, just for the people who are listening understanding that it is the strength of your team that will facilitate and ultimately dictate the success of your investments and additionally not just the success of your investments when it comes to net worth and property values and zeros and bank accounts but also how alive you feel and how happy and fulfilled you feel going through the process as well you know as Sydney and Lisa alluded to it is the creation of teams and world, this network of people all coming together for this common goal that makes success happen. And it's not one person, you know, supermanning it for decades and decades where they have this massive portfolio and also have their health and their free time. There are also things they get to you know, enjoy the fruits of their own labor. So while it's usually crucial when you're getting started to go that extra mile and you have to be the one that takes up the work and you have to be the one to do it, understand that's a season and ultimately success will come from the people that you are able to bring around you that will compound over time.
3: Definitely. True. I
4: totally agree.
2: Are you ready? That's awesome. For the commercial multifamily
1: Lion's Den trivia time.
4: I'm ready. Yes. I got phone real
3: quick.
0: I didn't know what we were doing. I guess I'm ready. <laughs> we're
4: just gonna ask a round of
3: questions.
4: Okay. And uh, we
1: have to get them all right.
4: <laughs> are they asset management related?
1: I think a couple of them are. First question: According to dqydj dot com, what was the median home price in the United States in nineteen sixty?
3: What oh. say that again? <laughs> the,
1: the median home, home price. price in the United okay. States in
2: nineteen sixty. Nineteen sixty. I'm gonna guess. 000. Hold on. F- Fifteen oh, thousand. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess. 12, 12, 11, 5, 11, 5, 11, 5.
4: I said 15,000. I said okay. 15. I think
0: we're we, right because we gave the same answer. Oh, 15. Yeah, right. Yeah. And, um, 13,
3: 13.
1: The answer is 19,300.
2: Oh, that's so a little bit more
4: than Cindy, I. Thought. Cindy and I are, close, are the closest. Yeah, we get 10,000 points. <laughs>
2: Right? yeah, oh, nineteen thousand for an entire property. That's like half a down payment. Buy a car right.
0: for
2: nineteen. Maybe. Not Jeez. a good one. But it just rates for sixteen percent. So, you know, it all balances out, right? Right. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> and I think minimum wage was probably like two dollars.
2: Something like that. Like five cents. I can I can give my grandfather a phone call and he'll I'm sure he'll tuck my ear off about it, like, yeah, okay. <laughs>
3: Back my first you know,
2: every time we talk, it's, it's, it's it tells me about the first property he bought. Yeah, I bought that. They wouldn't lend it to me for 33 but they would for 30 and a half. Bought that property. I know the story by heart. It's like, <laughs> and when I, got, when I bought my fourplex, they're like, they let you how much money or what interest rate? Must be nice. I'm like, well, <laughs> hold on. I would gladly take your position. Right. Not to go back.
1: Question number two. According to a 2021 report by iPropertyManagement.com, what percentage of renters pay fully online via electronic check, debit, or credit card? As you're,
4: 2021? Yeah,
1: yeah,
2: 2021. Do you feel like, a, I want to guess the overwhelming majority. I'm going to guess 80%. 97. I think it's going to be real high.
4: In 2021... 2021- I would say seventy-five percent. It's probably more now. I think during COVID, people started to get more used to it.
2: Good point.
4: The properties
0: that we just bought at the end of December were manual ledgers. They did not even have yeah. a Excel yeah. spreadsheet. It was a
3: um, a ledger. There's probably a lot and of would be money left zero. on the table. Yeah, I might have overdone it on the ninety-seven. So they brought your numbers down,
0: but I—I I would think it's high. But I'm very curious to know what it is. You have a guess? Um, eighty-five.
1: The answer is seventy-seven percent.
4: Dang it! Oh, I went so way I, over.
1: I was eighty. Lisa was 75 Five. Uh-huh. Yeah. Fifty-five okay. yeah. percent.
4: 10,000. Oh, two points. I'm winning. Finally, I've never won.
1: Question number no three. According to a July 14, 2022 report by iPropertyManagement.com, the average residential
2: leaser works how many hours per week? Average oh gosh, a lot. residential Residential meaning days. they're renting a single-family house?
1: Residential, just anything residential. Yeah. And it's okay. just the leaser, a, not the
4: house or the, apartment
1: manager. Oh, Think about like the people are just hired as like an assistant to do leasing.
4: Oh wait, I was thinking. Wait, like, wait. I was thinking the tenant. What? I was thinking the tenant. As, yeah, tenant. It, saying, the, yeah, that's the question. Is
2: like how many hours a week is the tenant working? Is that the question? The leaser.
4: Oh okay. Oh, the agent. like the leasing, leasing agent. Okay, let me redo that. 15
2: hours a week. 15, 20 hours a week. They're okay. really
0: good. They take it home with them and they actually work on the weekend like that. Yeah.
4: yeah. It yeah, depends on the, how time. big the property is. You can have yeah. a part-timer that, or you can have...
2: Is it What their funnel look like? I mean, do they have a great the media marketing campaign, the website stuff, they be- running ads, I'm the, say the application 30. process all on like online? Like how much human fronting do they actually need for their sales department to actually get the converted? Okay, don't uh,
4: think
3: so too much. Don't think too much. <laughs> uh, He's uh, uh, okay. in the weeds. He's in the I'll,
2: weeds. I'm turning, off the cliff. I'm going down. Break a
3: top golfer.
2: I'll
4: go 25. It, like
2: I'm like going to go 25. I'm going to say part time
4: because I
3: think you could do part time or full time. So throw you right in the middle. Yeah. 35. 35. I'll go down to 50. Then I was like way, way high.
1: The answer is 36.5 hours per week. Ooh,
3: oh, I
2: got
3: it. Nice. 10. I'm just trying to make our guests feel good right
4: now. Fake
0: <laughs> one Crazy high answers.
4: Back. Although Lisa is still winning, just so you know. Well, no, because you got one. We tied on one. So we both oh, have one and a half. Oh, that's right. Okay. So, we're tied. We we're tied. so the two asset managers. Exactly. Wow.
2: Wow. Poetic joke. No,
4: Cindy is the <laughs> asset manager. I retired. Then Cindy can have it. It's all your Cindy
3: says, but you know, she's still having to be involved every day. So I don't have the passion anymore, though. Cindy's passionate about it.
4: Cindy Wynn, she's passionate about it. I'm like, oh, (laughs) uh, asset management is a lot. I know. But Lisa, you are so good at answering questions. Like
0: I have called you myself and talked to you. So, you know, you you may not feel like you're actively doing it, but you are still very much a teacher and a guide.
4: So, thank you. i Appreciate that. I'd much better. rather do that. I'd much rather. Yeah. Do that. Yeah.
2: I think it's that's a heart. definitely. A great. Where that heart, yeah.
4: where that heart come from?
2: On the bottom a right reaction. of the screen, if you can, you can click reactions, and you can throw them oh, the little.
4: I've never done that before. Oh this is Felisa too. I'm Felisa. How did you get heart? <laughs> <laughs> little heart, oh, a little line. It's it's awesome, Cindy, to have to have you though. I'm really really glad that we got a chance to to interview you and learn from you. And this is going to be a great episode. Thank I you. I think the students are really going to learn a lot. Thank, Thank you. I there. appreciate that.
2: Definitely. I appreciate
4: the opportunity to talk about asset management. Any- I know, And how excited you are to talk about it. It's pretty amazing too.
1: Thank you for listening to the Commercial Multifamily Lion's Den podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, make sure to leave us a like, subscribe and share with anyone you think can gain value from today's episode. What conundrums are you facing? Let us know in the comment section below, and we'll get to it in a future episode. If you're interested in passively okay. investing with us, you can go to am multifamily.com or you can email Fia at am multifamily.com. Those links will be in the show description along with the Lion's Den Facebook page and website. Thank you and have all- our oh, rolling, rolling and-
4: That's
2: for- <laughs> part absolutely that's far
0: well thank you so Very much i really appreciate it Thanks. thank you
2: cindy yeah, exactly. yeah. thank you <laughs>